What began 2,000 years ago as Jesus was walking on this earth, as he had the opportunity of experiencing so much opposition. We talked often over the last few weeks about the conflict that he continually would run up on, how people would try to stop him and people would try to, to turn him away from doing what he was doing, saying what he was saying. The religious leaders themselves were always and constantly trying to, to stop talking, stop preaching, stop sharing, stop healing, because it challenged everything that they believed. Because everything that they had been taught and everything that they were now teaching, that Jesus himself was, was turning everything upside down, completely upending this entire idea of what it really meant to be a religious person. Jesus came to change the narrative. He came to change the story. We heard that song just a moment ago, a champion of love. The whole idea, the picture is someone who saw and experienced victory. And we, as people today in 2023, man, we love victory. We love to see people win. And whether it's years ago when we watched that original Rocky Balboa movie, when he would run up the steps of that Coliseum in Philadelphia and the music was playing and everybody was, you know, we're cheering him on because of the victory that, that he found. Or, or maybe it's in some sports program or, or some Super Bowl that you've watched it like, man, you did your team won. Or maybe even today. As you watch the Masters tournament, maybe your player is like, is right there at the cut and he's going to come up and he's going to win today. Like we love victory. But what's amazing about the story of Jesus and what he did 2,000 years ago is that everything that he said and everything that he did in those last few hours of his life pointed not to victory, but to defeat. Everything that he experienced, it looked like this is done. It's over. As Jesus walked into that garden on the night before he died, he, he walked into that garden and he prayed and he agonized and he prayed, God, let this cup pass from me. God, I know it's your will. But your will, not mine, be done. And he prayed in agony as he was there. And then as Judas came with all the soldiers and they came to, to, to capture him, to arrest him. And he looked at Judas and said, do what you must do. And so they arrested Jesus. They took him to the high priest's house where there he was beaten. And, and then he was he had tried before them. And then they took him off to the governor's house in John chapter 19, it tells us. And, and they, they led him there. They brought him to that place. And, and Pilate said, I and find no fault in this man. I don't see what it is that you're talking about. I don't know what he did wrong. The people kept saying, no, 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 no. This man is a blasphemer. He's someone that needs to be put to death. You need to put him to death. It's your job. It's your responsibility. Pilate continued to question him and what he, uh, all the things that he asked Jesus, he gave him the, the right answers. And Pilate was like, I, I can't find anything that this guy did wrong. And he wanted to release him. But yet the religious leaders, the people of that day, no, you can't do that. He must die. And then Pilate came up with a beautiful plan, a great plan, an idea. They said, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to release a prisoner as is tradition. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to have the option of you letting me release Jesus, who I find no fault in, or I'll release Barabbas. Now, you know Barabbas, right? He's a murderer. Like, like he's someone who's really, really bad. And so Pilate, thinking in his mind, this is my way out. Obviously, they're going to want me to release Jesus because they don't want to, they don't want to murder back on the streets. But they said, no, 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 no. Release Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify Jesus. We know the story. 
Jesus was led away from that place that day. And he was taken by the soldiers. There he was beaten. They mocked him all throughout that entire time. They, they put that crown of thorns on his head and they, they stripped him and beat him down. And then they took him and, and they, they put that cross on his back. A back that already had been ripped to shreds by the beating that he had taken. And they, they made him carry that cross up to Golgotha. An Aramaic, that, that place of the skull. And so as he made his way, of course, the, the pain was, the suffering was intense. But remember, 100% God, 100% man, he felt that pain just like you and I would have felt it. Yes, he was God, but understand, the pain and the suffering that he experienced is the same pain that you would suffer if someone beat you like they beat him. As he walked through the streets, the crushing load of that cross that was on his back and the pain that it was felt that he was feeling as it was ripping across that ripped shredded skin on the back he, he fell and finally they had someone else carry the cross for him they made their way up to Golgotha and they got to that place they they laid him down they nailed him to the cross they put the cross up into the ground they set it there and then they watched waiting for him to die this was no champion of love in their minds this is someone who is going to end their lives in defeat that everything that he had said, it was pointless at this moment because he's going to die. We've beaten him. We've defeated him. He's done. There's nothing left for this guy. We have won the victory. This is not a champion at all. And so they watched for hours and hours and hours. And of course, you've read the story. You've seen all the things that he said as he hung on the cross. You, you experienced uh, as we have watched uh, either through video or even watched in our own minds as we read the passage of the, the agony that he experienced through that entire time. As they continued walking through that process and they finally got towards the end of the, the moment as he was hanging on that cross and he was agonizing, trying to push up onto his feet to get one last breath and then he uttered the words, it's finished. And then he died. And Joseph of Arimathea, a person who was a, a closet follower of Christ, he, di he didn't want to get thrown out. He didn't want to get mocked. And so he, he loved Jesus. He believed in Jesus, but he didn't want anybody to know. He came and he asked Pilate if he could take the body and, and place it into a, a tomb. Again, now thinking, this man's dead. This man is done. It's over. So they went and they placed his body in the tomb. The Bible even says there in John chapter 19 that they had 75 pounds of spices that they brought to that day to anoint his body and to prepare his body. Why? Because they thought he was going to smell. The body was going to decay. The body was going to do what every body that has died since and every body that will ever die until Christ returns, that the body decays. And so they brought 75 pounds of, of spices to, to put around the body, to, to, to cut down on the smell. And they placed the body into the tomb and they sealed the tomb and he was done. There was no champion here. This was victory. But it wasn't victory for Jesus. It was victory for those who, who clearly, clearly wanted to defeat him. But as we go into this passage in John chapter 19, there's a couple of quick thoughts that I, I think are important for us to remember in this story. And it's a story, obviously, that we know. But there's some elements here that I want to share with you today. Just three passages out of John chapter 19 and John chapter 20. You can turn there if you wish. As we see 
exactly what took place and why does it matter to you and me? Let's be honest. That was 2,000 years ago. That's a story in history. And just like every other story in history that has some impact on our lives, this story really, does it impact us really in a big deal, in a big way? I mean, we go back to 1776, obviously, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, when the the battle for independence was fought and we won. Like, that's history. And that certainly has influenced us and impacted us because we live in a free nation. But really, does it matter that much to us today as we're alive? So in John chapter 19, in verse 28, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He'd been there for hours and all the things that we've heard about the story of Jesus hanging on the cross, we, we, we know what has already taken place. We know that he was struggling to breathe. We know that the, the two thieves hanging on either side, one, you know, one came to know Christ and believe in him, one didn't. But then it comes to this point, verse 28. And it says, after this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine or vinegar, as the King James says, was sitting there. And so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, verse 28, it's got an interesting statement there. It says, and when Jesus knew that everything had been completed. And you think, well, wait a minute, he's not dead yet. Didn't he come to die? Was it the point that he was going to die and then be buried and then rise again? Like, why does it say when he knew that everything had been completed, when everything was finished? Well, here's why. Because Jesus knew that every Old Testament prophecy that talked about this moment had now been fulfilled. When you go back into the Old Testament, when you go back and look at that statement, he says that the scripture might be fulfilled. We know as we read, just we didn't read, but you could read in John chapter 19, a few verses before this in John chapter 19, it says that that the soldiers, they took his clothes and they they cast lots for his clothes, which goes all the way back to Psalm 22 when, when that was predicted, a prophetic statement. When it says here that the scripture might be fulfilled when Jesus himself after he had died, when they, they came by and they broke the legs of the other two thieves and they did not have to break Jesus's legs because they didn't need to do that because he was already dead. That's a, a prophetic statement that goes all the way back to a Numbers chapter nine, Psalm 34, Exodus chapter 12, when it says, and you cannot break the bones of the sacrificial lamb. He knew that as Jesus hung on that cross, When they came by and that soldier took that spear and and pierced it into his side, it was a statement going all the way back to Zechariah chapter 12 when it says, the one who was pierced. You see, when Jesus said everything had been finished, everything had been completed, what he was saying clearly is this, is like, hey, going all the way back to the beginning of recorded time, it's been pointing to this moment. This moment that I'm laying my life down for you, laying my life down for all of mankind, to pay for the sins of all mankind, everything points to this moment. Everything has now been completed. And he made that statement, I thirst. 
Now remember now, Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. And so yes, obviously the pain of what he was experiencing, yeah, he wanted something to, uh, to, to put into his mouth, uh, some liquid because of the dryness of dying there. And so they, they took that sour wine, that vinegar, and they put it into his mouth. Now listen, we don't think that that's a gift. The Bible doesn't say that to say, hey, the soldiers were really nice to Jesus in that moment. So they wanted to give him, you know, give him a bottle of water. And that's not at all what they were trying to do. In fact, it actually was a, a, an action of cruelty because with that sour wine, that vinegar would actually constrict the, the, the throat muscles. It would contract the throat muscles, which means that he could not cry out anymore and means he was struggling even more to breathe. It actually continued the pain that he was suffering going through. And so Jesus is hanging there. He's going through these moments and he made that statement that he knew that everything had been completed. He made that statement, I'm thirsty. And then he came to that last statement to tell us it is finished. The work is done. And don't you know that every religious leader who gathered in that place, every soldier that was pointing to this, all the people who had put him to death, they agreed with him. It's finished. Like it's done. This guy has lost. We don't have to worry about this message anymore. We don't have to worry about this anymore because it is over with. Like we don't have to deal with Jesus ever again because that has been proven that everything that he said was false. Here's why. Because Jesus said, I will rise again. They certainly didn't believe that was going to happen. They certainly didn't believe he was going to walk out of that grave. And so they thought like everything Jesus has said, everything that he had taught, everything that he had done, like it was all a footnote in history because Jesus has been defeated. But then we know what happened. Jesus placed in that tomb three days later, that next Sunday morning, all of a sudden Mary comes running to the tomb. She comes there again to anoint the body. Why? Because of decay. So that tells us right now what her thinking was is that he had been defeated, right? Her thinking was like, like he's not risen. She's coming to anoint the body again. He's done. He's over. He's been defeated. She comes there. She finds the tomb open. She sees a, a, an angel there, a declaration that Jesus has risen. She comes in and actually runs into Jesus. And you go over into John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, we read the story of her encounter with, with Christ. And at first, she didn't even recognize him. Why? Because she didn't believe that he was risen. Like, it couldn't be him. There's no way it's him. And so she's talking about, if you just tell me where you put him. Like, just tell me where Jesus is. And then he speaks that word, Rabboni, or Rabbi. And when he speaks that word, she in, uh, in, um, immediately recognizes the voice, immediately recognizes what, who it is that she's talking to. And then she believes and she sees and she knows and she takes off running and she goes and she tells the other disciples and Peter and John, they come running, they look inside and they're amazed. They can't believe what they're finding. And then we find that they go back to a house. Now, interestingly, they go back to a house. You know what they do? They go lock themselves away out of fear. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus, the one that you had given your life to, the one that you believed in fully, the one that you had left everything to follow, had been crucified and he was dead and now he lives, now he's risen from the grave, I'm not sure going to hide would be what I would do. Because, man, I'd be celebrating. Man, it would be awesome. It'd be a party. It'd be incredible. Like, Jesus is alive. But they went and hid. And look what it says in John chapter 20 and verse 24. 
disciples were all gathered there together. Jesus comes and and obviously he appears to the disciples without Thomas. And, and so he's there and they're all, you know, overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus was alive. But look what happened with Thomas because he wasn't there. It said, but Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with him when Jesus came. And so the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in the hands or put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. That's such a powerful statement. Basically what he's saying is, I don't care what Jesus had to say. I don't care what I saw him do. I don't care what I witnessed and experienced as I followed him. Unless I see it for myself, I will never believe. Remember that thought. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, Thomas, obviously, man, for 2000 years, you think about it, he's gotten a kind of a bad rap, hasn't he? Like we call him doubting Thomas, like everything about Thomas, like this guy, he was a doubter, man. He, he was an awful guy. I can't believe he didn't believe. He even said like, unless I see it for myself, I won't believe. But you know what? His doubt really is not much more different than ours. His doubt's really not that different than what you and I experience and what you and I walk through because we hear the story over and over again. Man, we can read it, we can hear it, we can come to church and we can sing about it. We can even watch videos about it. We can go on YouTube and we can see, you know, uh, cartoons about it. Like we hear it over and over and over again and yet it still doesn't influence it and it still doesn't impact us and it still doesn't change us. And while we may not say, unless I see it for myself, I won't believe, here's what we do. We continue to walk in doubt we continue to walk faithless, and we continue to try to live our lives and figure out how we're going to do this thing called life without Jesus in it because we truly don't have that faith, that belief that changes everything. And then Jesus made this statement to Thomas, hey, because you've seen me, you believe. Hey, that's good. That's awesome. That's great. Here's what that tells us. This is important. He gave Thomas a second chance. Because he could have said, Thomas, you didn't believe me. You're out. You're done. I can't believe you heard me say this stuff. You saw me do what I did and you don't believe me still. I'm done with you. He could have said that, but he didn't. Hey, because you've seen me, you believe. Man, that's a, that's a picture of the second chance that Jesus gives to every single one of us. But then the greater statement, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In the past 2,000 years, we recognize and understand that there have been millions, maybe billions of people who've come to that point of belief. Without seeing Jesus, without seeing him risen in a bodily form, without seeing the nail prints, without seeing the scars, without seeing the, the, the pierce in the side, without seeing all of that, and yet we still believe. Jesus said, blessed are you who believe. Those of you in this room that have trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, hey, Jesus himself blessed you because you've believed. And you've believed in faith. But as we continue reading the very next verse in John chapter 20, verse 30, it says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. What it says is like, hey, hey, there's a lot of stuff I didn't even write down. But these are written. You ought to underline this in your Bible. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, 
you may have life in his name. That statement in verse 31, that the the words that are written in this book are written so that you may believe, that is not just simply a declaration of those who might come to Christ. Let me tell you what that is. That's an invitation. That's an invitation to you today. If you're sitting in this room and you've never trusted and believed in faith that Jesus is God's son and that he died for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose again and there's historical evidence not only in this book but in many other cases, many other settings like that prove that Jesus rose from the grave. If you've never come to that point, Jesus through his word, John writes these words. Hey, these words are written for you. Man, that's a great gift. It's as if Jesus himself said, hey, hey, I want to give you this, right, this letter, this book. I want to give this to you because these things are written for you. Why? So that you might believe. That's an invitation to every single one of you. You see, Jesus did what he did for you. And so he makes this statement. These are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And then listen to the other invitation, the other promise, the other statement. And so that by believing, you might have life in his name. Jesus came and he died for our sins. The world called it a loss. The world called it defeat. But it was the ultimate sign and the ultimate picture of victory. That Jesus died, was buried, and three days later on that first resurrection Sunday, he rose from the grave so that you may believe and so that you might have life in his name. Question for you. It's a simple one. Do you believe? Because Jesus did all of that for you. He did everything that we read about in scriptures He did it all for you. He did everything on that cross, the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, which we deserve. He did all that for you. And when he walked out of that grave, it was a declaration, not only a victory over your sin and a victory over Satan and a victory over death. It was also a statement that he makes to you that because he lives, you can live. In John chapter 11, Jesus said it at the grave of Lazarus. Though he may die, yet shall he live. Anyone who believes in me shall never die. The whole picture of Easter is just simply this, that you can live for eternity in heaven with Christ because Jesus is the champion of love. The question is, do you believe? with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. Every single one of us in this room have been given this amazing gift, the gift of God's word, the gift of God's promise. These are written so that you may believe. And so we're standing here today in this room on Easter Sunday of 2023. You've come to church and maybe you've come to church because you're here every week or maybe you've come to church because it's Easter. Maybe you're here because you think it's Easter, I might as well go to church. Maybe you came because someone invited you to come. Regardless of why you're here, God's word that was written 2,000 years ago, that the Holy Spirit breathed these words out into the hands of men who wrote this down. These words were written for you 
today, 2023, so that you might believe. The Bible's clear that belief is something that comes when we recognize in our hearts, as it tells us in Romans chapter three, that every single one of us have sinned and need a savior. All of us in this room, we need someone to atone for our sins. Hebrews chapter nine, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no payment for our sins. It all comes through what Jesus did. In Romans chapter six, what we deserve, we deserve separation from God for eternity. That's what we deserve because of our sin. We deserve to be separated from God. We do not deserve the gift of heaven that John chapter 14 tells us Jesus prepared. We don't deserve it. But Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 10 tells us clearly that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead, that he is the very son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Romans 10, 13, don't ever miss this verse. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, If you've never come to that moment of belief, that moment of faith, that verse is for you. It's geared directly to you. Remember, John wrote it, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are written so that you may believe. And so today as we sit in this room, there might be some people like individuals we saw in that video a little while ago. Maybe whose lives are falling apart. Maybe lives of addiction, lives of brokenness, lives of pain. Maybe lives of disbelief that Jesus could ever even care for you because of what you've done. These words are written so that you might believe. And so today with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, I just wanna ask a simple question with no one looking around. Is there anyone here today that if you're honest with me and honest before God, like, yeah, I, I've never really done that. I've never really made that decision to trust in Christ. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And I'm just gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me today. Asking God to do for you what only he can do. I can't do it. This church can't do it. No church you've ever been to can do it. It's not us. It, It comes to what Jesus did. And I'm gonna pray this prayer. And if you've never trusted and believed in Christ, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer silently along with me right now. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I know I deserve death. But today I recognize that because of what Jesus has done, I can have life. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died and he rose again. So today, forgive me of my sins. Save me today through your son, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed around this room with no one looking, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just be honest with me? Would you just hold your hand up right now and say, yeah, I I prayed that prayer. Wherever you are in this room, just hold your hand up and say, yes, I I prayed that prayer. I see one hand in the far, far back on the left. I see another one over here. Any others, just raise your hand. Like, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Like, I recognize God loves me even despite my sin and that Jesus is the one that can save me. Anyone else, just raise your hand. 
Listen, if you raised your hand, would you do me a favor? Would you, because again, it's hard to see. Would you just stand up right now, wherever you are, if you prayed that prayer and say, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Right back here in the back left. Yeah. God bless you, buddy. Thank you for standing. Anybody else just stand up right now, wherever you are. Say, yep, I prayed that prayer and I meant it from my heart to God's right down here in the front. Awesome. What a wonderful story. Hey, listen, it's Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. What a beautiful picture. Now, if you just stood, here's what I want you to do. And I know there's one over here to my right, one in the back of my life. Would you just do me a favor? There are some individuals right down in the front here would love to pray with you. And I know it's like, we're going to do this quick and, and I don't want to take up your time. But if you just made that decision, you believe, like I absolutely, man, I trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you just step out and come down real quick? It won't take long. Just wherever you are in the room, right in the back. Come on down, gentlemen, sir. Thank you. Come right on down if you would. That's beautiful. Ladies coming with them. Awesome. Come right on down. Anyone else? Just come down to the front right now. Just come down and just come down. And our team is here. We don't want to embarrass you. We've just got some things to help you as you begin this journey of walking with Christ. We want to make sure we celebrate with you. And, and so, beautiful, just come right on down if you would. And, and Noah, or, yeah, if you're talking, awesome. Beautiful picture, man. What a great, great gift, sir. Thank you so much. Just come right on down. Man, what a, what a, what a great, great story of the power of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ma'am, thank you so much for coming. Ron, if you'd, Ron, if you'd talk with me over there. Beautiful. What a, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Okay, so listen. In a moment, as they're being prayed with, man, we're going to walk out of here. We're going to celebrate. It's Easter Sunday. It's awesome. And when you walk out at every door, we're going to hand you a little card. I want you to take that card with you, okay? And let me tell you why. That card that you're going to take with you helps you to see in a, in a deeper way, like, like what we talked about. And maybe you're still like thinking, man, I, I know I need to. I'm not sure. But I'm not really 100% sure, you know? But that card that when you walk out, I want you to read it. And I want you to look through because it's going to take you deeper in this decision and, and help you take that next step. And there's some information there how you can truly understand who Christ is and what Christ has done and what he will do for you. The champion of love, Jesus has paid it all. And so when they laid his body in that grave 2,000 years ago and they thought it's done, it's over. It's, man, defeat is here. Jesus said, yeah. Not so fast because Jesus did exactly what he came to do. He was in the grave, but it did not last long because Jesus rose again. Let's stand together and let's worship as we leave today. I want to take this time to thank you for joining with us here at Thomas Road Baptist Church for these Easter services where we have celebrated the greatest gift that God has ever given to mankind, the gift of his son, Jesus, who died, who was buried, and who rose again on that first Resurrection Sunday. And so today, if you've heard something that really resonates with your heart, if you've made a decision today to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you just want to know a little bit more about this greatest gift that God has ever given, I would encourage you to email me at pastor at trbc.org, or you can go to our website at trbc.org slash start. We would love to connect with you and to help you begin this brand new walk, a brand new journey with Christ in your life.